Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to West Bros. Well, really we should just call the podcast West Bro, because it seems like more often than not these days, there's only one of us here. I mean, it's on me this time. I didn't ask McLean Direct today. I just I just felt a sudden urge to uh, hop on the microphone, because um, as covered in my last solo episode of West Bros, uh, when I covered the... Uh, <laughs> The the right the what was it the the alt right indoctrination of going to the gym and how you're gonna become a Nazi if you lift weights, you know dangerous things like that. Um, turns out this is not like an isolated opinion. I found I just saw this article from Time.com pop up today. It's titled "The White Supremacist Origins of Exercise." <laughs> by Olivia Waxman. Uh, she's interviewing uh, the author of some book, N- Natalia Petzrelazala. I don't know. Um, anyway, it's a book that came out this year about the history of exercise. But the, the headline, the headline grabs you, The White Supremacist Origins of Exercise. Well, <laughs> let me, I, I really want to know. All right, so she's interviewing her. Anyway, one of the things I set out to do in this book is to look at the change in how we think about our bodies and what's considered attractive. Until the 1920s or so, to be what would be considered today fat or bigger was actually desirable and actually signified affluence, which is like the polar opposite of today, when so much of the obesity epidemic discourse is connected to socioeconomic inequality, blah blah blah. <sighs> You've got it so backwards. You have got it so backwards. The people who talk about this. Oh, back in the day, it was considered healthy to be fat. No, you idiots. No. Being fat in the way that you think of fat as an obese, that was never desirable. It was never desirable. Now... Being underweight was a bigger problem back then because you didn't have access to these uh, modern processed foods as much, the the, the refined carbohydrates, and so it was a lot harder to put weight on because people didn't have access to those kind of foods. Today, of course, they're very cheaply made, and so it becomes poor people food, and that's why we have such a chronic obesity rate, that and the vegetable oils. But back then, it was a lot harder to put weight on, and so people who had weight on them, not obese people, but people who had at least some fat on them, it was like, oh, okay, he's eating healthy because he doesn't look emaciated. All right, he doesn't look anorexic. But, and then uh, the, the rich people. And it was, it, the rich people, of course, were, were fat. They had access to these new processed foods. You know, they had access to the, the new stuff. They ate garbage. Um, what we would today consider garbage, but back then was the scientific food. This is the new amazing stuff. These processed... Anyway point is that was never desirable it was never desirable to be morbidly obese and look i read i consume i pay attention to a lot of media and books and things from that time period 1920s and earlier because it's what i'm interested in i have never come across in all my days an example of someone looking at a morbidly obese person a very fat person and going man i want some of that i want me a heaping helping of whatever he's having no, it was usually a derisive thing, like, oh, those fat, rich people, the fat cats, the hogs, the greedy, that kind of talk. Being obese was never, at any point in American history, probably even world history, desirable. You nutcase. You're trying to defend your own bad behavior and your own terrible eating habits. Anyway, it was super interesting reading the reflections of fitness enthusiasts in the early 20th century. They said that we should get rid of corsets. Corsets are an assault on women's form and that women should be lifting weights and gaining strength. At first, you feel like this is progressive, but... 
Then you keep reading, and they say white women should start building up their strength because we need more white babies. They're writing during an incredible amount of immigration, soon after enslaved people have been emancipated, encouraging people to have more children. Yeah, I can't think of a, I can't think of a worse thing to do, man. I can't think of a, man, that's just, that's just the worst thing if we encourage people to have kids. Ah, I can't even, I can't even. Man, that's just that's terrible. That's oppressive, actually. Anyway, this is totally part of a white supremacy project. So, I mean, well, are, are you going to take this logic over the, you know, Planned Parenthood founder, Margaret Sanger, when she wanted to open up abortion clinics in black neighborhoods because she wanted less black babies? Are you going to take that logic there, or are we not, are we not touching that? Is that not going to happen today? Okay, um... So that was a real holy crap moment as a historian, where deep archival re- <laughs> You know, real serious historians use words like holy crap all the time. Uh, during the New Deal of the 30s, the Civilian Conservation Corps would recruit out-of-worker impoverished scrawny men to go work in the forest on public works projects. One of the ways they marketed this was, it puts muscles on your bones. Such a racist thing to say. <laughs> That really picked up during the Cold War. Right after World War II, you start to have more concern about Americans getting soft. The idea that the things that made America great, like cars and TV sets, were actually taking a toll on Americans. But I don't know if... Is TV... Is that really what made America great? It's uh, actually the starting point of America's decline was the advent of the TV set. Uh, Presidents Eisenhower and Kennedy went on the mission to make exercise look wholesome and patriotic and focus on shifting the purpose of exercise to being a good citizen and defending your country. Ah, man. That's just terrible. (laughs) Ah, gross. I don't want any of that, sir. Uh, In the 1980s, there's a huge boom in the fitness industry connected to this work-hard, play-hard mentality. I was also really moved speaking to gay men who had lived through AIDS and talked about how they exercised to display that they had a healthy body at a moment when there was so much homophobia. (laughs) Ah, This is like like Carol Adams, man. Uh, Exercise is responsible for every terrible thing in the world, in your eyes. Uh, uh, You don't like the gay? It's because of exercise. Uh, you, you, you don't like uh, fat people. It's because of lifting weights. If you don't like, it's such an excuse mill for these people. Another big turning point is 9/11. You see a boom in the CrossFit mentality of almost like militarized fitness. Carol did that too. 9-11 was when men needed to reassure themselves of their masculinity. And so you had places that were opening up real manly man steak joints. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Uh, gym usage is rebounding rapidly since the pandemic. Blah, blah, blah. Reducing machines are a good example of an exercise machine that went away. Well into the 60s, women were not encouraged to do an strenuous exercise. She would either lie down on the bed or stand with a belt around you and the machines would shake your fat. Well, yeah, those machines worked on the idea of, uh, calorie. Calorie reduction of, um... Your calorie output based on the flawed idea of calories in, calories out, thermodynamics. You lose weight by eating less and moving more. That's utterly ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous circular tautological logic that doesn't make any sense in the real world because the human body is not a closed thermodynamic system. That is not how physics works. Anyone spouting that nonsense has no clue what the heck they're even talking about. The dumbest thing. Hey, stop eating carbs. There you go. You'll lose weight pretty quick. 
Anyway, talk about how running became a popular exercise. Uh, that's that's kind of it on the white supremacy stuff. She's just like listing fitness trends with like this underlying tone of, yeah, look, obviously that's bad. It's like, uh, okay, I guess. Uh, MMA has a right wing problem. Yeah, I'll bet you think it does. <laughs> Um, a lot of people rewriting that same article about uh, a study showed that right-wing gym bros are toxic a-hole, whatever it is. <laughs> Over at The Guardian, lovely, lovely, lovely website. Do you boast about your fitness? Watch out. You will unavoidably become right-wing, Zoe Williams. If there's one thing that irks me more than the awareness-raising month, go sober for October, grow a mustache to celebrate your prostate through November, etc. Now that she doesn't bring up breast cancer awareness month, does that get a pass for you? I don't understand why. Anyway, it's the signal-boosting day. Huh? Yesterday was fitness day. Sorry, let me give it this proper title. Hashtag fitness day. The space bar is always the first casualty of a manufactured movement. The tweeting began before 6 p.m. as healthy, responsible people announced they were going to the gym and might go for a run later. <laughs> <laughs> the problem wasn't the hashtagging, the problem is with fitness itself. I've been writing a fitness column, and in this time, I've digested very little about what exercise does for your body. I still have to Google what counts as blah 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 every time I blah blah blah, but I know what it does to your personality, and none of it is pretty. Start doing something new, and you can't stop talking about it. I mean, it's, it's almost like you've taken up a new hobby that you care about, and you're excited about, and so you want to talk about it. Crazy. It's not really talking, though. It's actually boasting. Fitness boasters try to cover this up by featuring their dog in a selfie. Beautiful morning run with my pup. Kind of sounds like... <laughs> it's such like a defensive mechanism. It's like, hey, I went to the gym today. And then you're like, oh, that kind of makes me feel bad because I'm a fat slob who doesn't go to the gym. Stop boasting about it! You have to rub it in my face! You, are you saying I'm fat? Is that what you're saying? Fitness boasters will also amplify their own unworthiness in the face of an arduous task. Hashtag challenge. But the showing off couldn't be plainer. Here I am improving myself with willpower. And because I was so great to start with, I'm gonna become even better. In a normal life, we learn not to do this. At roughly the same age, we learn not to bite people when we're angry. When did you last blow your own trumpet about your prodigious intellect, your sex life, or your eyelashes? It is the height of rudeness to burden another person with a remark to which there's no good reply. <laughs> this self-love will be a carapace of self-sufficiency. This is especially a problem with cyclists, blah, blah, blah. Undoubted, un unavoidably, over time. So, so she's saying that uh, this is like, um, it's like showing off. It's uh, virtue signaling in a way. Like, I'm a good person because I go to the gym. Virtue signaling in this regard, it makes you more right-wing as you descend into an aerobics-powered moral universe where only the weak need each other and all the strong need is a water pouch in their backpack that pipes straight into their mouths. <laughs> um, why is she ranting about the army now? What in the world? What? I don't understand. I guess she's mad about, like, equating fitness to bravery or something. Uh, okay. Uh, now she, she's going off about random other things now. What a weird... What a weird person. What a strange person. 
<laughs> what is this article? I just want to start lifting weights without getting red-pilled. I want to learn about strength training on the internet, and now I'm pretty sure I'm some kind of neo-fascist radicalization pipeline? I don't understand. So, I, he was trying to look up, like, how to lift weights or something, and, and... <laughs> He, he stumbled across, like, Joe Rogan and stuff. I don't know. SSS! I downloaded a free ebook about how to get them, and I'm getting targeted ads for skull balaclavas and emails titled, Rise Up Brother. Wait, wait, don't... <laughs> okay, you weirdo. Maybe, maybe the gym's not the place for you if you're that easily, like, scared away. Uh, someone with a different opinion. I guess I can't go in there. I don't... What in the world am I looking at? What is this from? Okay, 2017. So this would have been right in the middle of the Trump Trump presidency. The long history of leftist self-defense. Right-wingers are associated with firearms, but the left has trained for combat since the 19th century. Wait, I thought I thought it was those right-wing a-holes in the gyms, not the Okay, well, anyway. The Trump era has so far been a violent one. In response, leftist activists and minority groups have turned to a form of activism that some might not typically expect from liberals. To counter and prevent violence, they're heading to the gym. <laughs> the, the list of these new initiatives is long. Among other efforts, Minneapolis's Oh Hell No bike rides patrol neighborhoods to prevent sexual assaults and harassment. Chicago resident Zainab Abdullah hosts self-defense seminars for Muslim women. Look, I've seen those black-on-black uh, -black crime waves in Chicago. I don't think it's the Muslim women who are particularly at threat there. All I'm saying. Uh, the company, blah, blah, blah. In April, the Chicago-based group Haymaker Collective formed and is raising funds to open a gym where anyone except police officers can take self-defense classes and work out. Their end goal is to help people learn the skills they need to stay safe in Trump's America, according to their Indiegogo campaign. I know the last time I saw those Antifa dudes, my, my first thought was, oh, they are so jacked. Man, they've been preparing for this. They've been, they've been working out. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. Um, they say they want to provide a space for vulnerable people in Trump's America to feel more autonomous. <laughs> Trump's America. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay, I don't really care about the rest of this article. It's blabbing on about, like, like, um, Black Panthers and stuff in history. I don't care. <laughs> that's, all, that's always what I think when I see leftist protesters and stuff. It's like, man, they must be hitting the gym. Over on Stylist, fat people aren't scared of exercise. They're sick of being shamed by gyms. Stephanie Yaboa. After years of falling for fat-phobic fitness messaging, writer and blogger Stephanie Yaboa had all but given up on fitness until she found a health at every size trainer. Here's how doing the same could transform your mental health, too. Because it sure as heck isn't going to transform your physical health. As a person who has always existed in a fat body, 
I love what leftists do with language. They have to separate themselves from their body. It's like a weird thing because they've decided a long time ago they don't actually have control over their bodies. They've like given up any and all like um, responsibility. And so the body is like this separate thing from themselves. It's like, an, it's like this autonomous being doing its own thing and you're just subject to its whims. Like whatever the body wants, they got to go along with it, you know. So I, I, don't, I don't have a body. I exist in a body. I've always had something of a hate-hate relationship with the gym, and to an extent, fitness in general. Now, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love team sports, but when it comes to working out, either alone or in public, my association with exercise has been triggering, to say the least. From the age of 11 up until my mid-20s, I had an incredibly toxic relationship with my plus-size body, frequently subjecting it to a host of diets and get-slim-quick schemes, from hypnotism, fasting, and liquid-only meals to the watchful, fat-phobic digital eye of Jillian Michaels. Did you actually try anything that works, or were you just doing that crap? <laughs> Did, did you try not eating carbohydrates? That might have... Might have fixed the old problem. I don't think Jillian's gonna get you very far. <laughs> I love it when, they, when, they, when they're like, Yeah, so I did a bunch of stuff that doesn't work. So I decided that pff, losing weight isn't actually possible. Um, yeah. So yeah, my car broke down. And I figured the way to fix it would be to stab all of the tires with a knife. That didn't work. So like, I guess I'm just supposed to have a broken car. Guess that's just what I'm meant to have. I tried my best to keep up with the athletic lithe bodies on screen who could complete 15 burpees in a row with ease while I huffed and puffed after doing one and I'd punish myself by completing insanity style workouts whenever I indulged on snacks. No, the answer is stop indulging on snacks. Eat actual good healthy food. Eat meat. Don't eat plants. There you go. Over time, working out became an activity I associated with shame, pain, self-hate, and an act exclusive to only slimmer bodies, etc, etc. I went on to join many gyms over the next five years, promising to go... <sighs> doing the wrong thing over and over and over and over again. And then... <laughs> it's just like you don't want to fix the actual problem. The actual problem would be, hey, I'm eating crap. You don't want to stop doing that. He gets... Okay. <laughs> I'm getting triggered by her getting triggered by the gym. Talks about finding a healthy at every size personal trainer. Which is just like, great job. I don't care. Just stop eating crap. Stop eating crap and you'll be fine. That's literally the solution to stop eating crap. Uh, no, you don't know anything about my fitness just by looking at my body. I think I might be able to guess one or two things by looking at your body. Behold the inclusive body positive gym that rejects fat phobia? Well, finally, what is this, uh, Planet Fitness? Gym members, trainers, and staff don't waste any time contrasting fatness and fitness in the workout facility imagined by the women behind the Matter of Fat podcast. Hey, I want you to speak to me matter of fatly, okay? The gym. A multifaceted space filled with dreamers, schemers, and believers. In it, you'll find blah, blah, blah. Everyone who enters the heavy hollow gymnasium doors is assumed to be doing hard work. 
unless they're fat. If you're fat, walking into a gym is an obstacle course of perceived and experienced fat phobia. These obstacles come in multiple forms. Fat people face barriers to fitness before even entering the gym. Yeah, that's called the door frame. You can't fit through it because you are very wide. That's the barrier. Prioritizing fitness or a gym membership is a challenge when it's rarely presented to you or to people who look like you as a safe or comfortable place to spend your time. Y- you know why you never see uh, fat people in ads for gyms or like uh, you know, that kind of thing? It's because, you know, you go to the gym long enough and if you're actually eating right, you uh, won't be fat. There you go. Dedicating fat... It's like... <laughs> It's like if you were advertising like a uh, uh, like a nicotine, like a thing to help you stop smoking, and all, all the people in your advertisements had lung cancer and were still smoking a pack a day. It's like, I don't, I don't know if that's really effective advertising. Dedicating finances to gym memberships is a financial burden when we know that sizeism negativity impacts hiring and earning for those in larger body. I think if you weren't spending $100 a day on Taco Bell, you might be able to afford that gym membership, all I'm saying. Once inside, fat, it's like they want to have it both ways. They want to eat crap and, and still go to the gym and lose weight. You can't do both. You can't do both. <laughs> uh, bullying doesn't get left behind in the high school gymnasium. It proliferates in adulthood, only now you get to pay for it. Yeah, see, the, the difference there is the bullying. When you're a kid, it's when other kids make fun of you. And when you're an adult, the bullying is, uh, imagine, it is in my head. I assume the bullying is happening subconsciously, and that's even worse. No one can assess your health by just looking at you, and no one... I don't know, man. I think uh, if someone came up to me and they were uh, 800 pounds and were missing a leg from having an amputated due to diabetes, I think I might be able to make one or two assessments. All I'm saying... I'm not a doctor, but I think maybe I could jump to maybe one or two conclusions. I don't think that's too out of line. Some interactions in these spaces seem positive, like, good for you, or you'll get there someday, or you're an inspiration. I am sick of encouragement. I never want to hear another encouraging word again as long as I live. As if the only reason you or anyone might be at the gym is to lose weight. No, no, it's to build muscle. And, And ideally... You're eating the correct diet so that you will lose weight while you are building muscle. Unless these pseudo-affirmations are being shared with every gym patron, this type of interaction is not welcoming or well-intentioned. In fact, it's a microaggression. I haven't heard that one in a while. I haven't heard microaggression in a bit. That's, that's like that's going back to like 2015, man. These behaviors create a negative environment. So saying positive things to fat people is actually more like saying a negative thing to a fat person. So I think I should show, based on this logic, I'll do the opposite. I want to create a positive environment by saying, uh, get a move on, fatty. Come on, stop hogging the machines. Let's go. Let's get that cellulite in gear. The external negativity easily transposes to our internal dialogue. No. That's not external negativity, that's assumed negativity. That's not you nutcase. If you're new to a gym, you might ask yourself, do I belong here? Well, you're out of shape, so yes, you do belong there. That's how you're gonna not be out of shape. Am I doing this right? If I ask for help, will it feed into the stereotype of a fat person who can't or doesn't prior? No, I think if you ask for help, uh, people will help you. I think that's I think that's what's gonna happen. Stop being a 
These people, oh, these people, they're just spineless little jellyfish, afraid of even stepping out, afraid of encountering actual people in real life. They're, they're, they're totally comfortable interacting with you behind a screen. Like, the screen is like the buffer between reality and themselves. It's why... It's why, um, it was in the news a while back, like, the women at the gym who were like, Oh, these men are looking at me at the gym. But they're filming themselves for people to look at them online. And it's like... One chick had, like, an OnlyFans account. She was like, oh, this guy was looking at me at the gym in a sexual way. It's like, you're on OnlyFans. What in the world? But it's this weird thing in their heads where if it's if it happens through the screen, it's like it's not real. It's like it's in a different realm of reality. It's very strange. It's very strange, and it's not good. We can't help but dream about what gym culture would look like without the discord and disconnect of fitness and fatness. Um... Let's see, what would, what would gym culture look like without uh, trying to actually be fit and not fat? What would that look like? I think it would look like you sitting at home on your couch watching, watching TikTok like you normally do. I think that's what it would look like, so yeah. <laughs> if health and weight weren't conflated as one of the same, and a healthy at every size approach was the norm, many of the obstacles would be overcome. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, so there's not, this isn't an actual gym. This is like they're like... Imagining what it would look like. I thought this was like an actual place. And they're just listing off what they want to see. Gym culture that's not a clique, but an intersectional community. Weight loss is not emphasized or prioritized. Focusing on weight loss is no fun. A peek into the group's fitness class. Plus participants of all body sizes, dress, and workout wear that's comfortable for them. Outside the classroom, the gym is buzzing with warm, bright energy. Uh, it feels possible from Cold War era calisthenics to a wave of capitalism that encouraged individual engagement. I remember watching, I think it was Lost Sierra High School in the 60s under JFK's fitness program. It's like they were turning out like, uh, they, they, they were turning high school kids into just these superhumans. It was like, man, that's what we need in schools today is that kind of a PE class. It looks great. It looks fun. Man. Uh, a rad fat yoga, rad fat adventure camp, trails not scales, that sounds familiar, I think we looked that up once, the, uh, oh yeah, fat girls hiking, that's what it was, fat girls hiking, <laughs> oh gosh, matter of fat is a body positive podcast, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, fatpositivecooperative.com, <laughs> my new favorite website, uh, gyms are temples. Wait, I think I've read this. We've seen this before on like one of those um, Fat Logic subreddit things. Gyms are temples for people who aren't fat to worship at the altars of their not fatness. Gym workouts are anti-fat devotionals offered by the devoutly fitness-minded worshippers. No matter who, she, uh, the writer of this article, included a uh, selfie. Um, doesn't say her name. But uh, it's a very large woman with a very large t-shirt that says Diet Industry Dropout. <laughs> okay. Um, no matter how judgment-free a gym claims to be, <laughs> looking at you, Planet Fitness, gyms are infested with fat-phobic people, including fat people who are battling not only their own biology, but the internalized fat-phobia societies pressing to our psyches. Man, not even Planet Fitness can stop being fat-phobic. Yeah. Like many fat-positive folks, before fat positivity came into my life, I had a lot of internalized fat folks. So, you know, before I ingested a bunch of propaganda, I had some common sense. Uh, it's a lot like how we used to know that uh, plants weren't 
weren't the staple of a human diet until we got a bunch of garbage from the medical scientific community that, you know, turned out to be garbage. But uh, then we stopped listening to our common sense and went, oh yeah, plants, that's a healthy diet. <laughs> Nonsense. But uh, yeah, so yeah, I was. I thought maybe being fat was bad until I saw a bunch of propaganda, and, and now I know that I never have to take responsibility for my life ever again. And this is real weight off my shoulders. Also, I'm depressed. I'd received awkward and unsolicited praise, like, you're so brave, you inspire me, keep at it simply because I was working out while fat. How terrible, people complimented you. Oh, how did you survive? Thing is, when you're fat and you go to the gym, everyone seems to assume that you're working towards weight loss. Crazy, am I right? That assumption is fatphobic. You assume that a fat person is there to solve the problem of their fatness because you perceive fatness as problematic. This is what, the, okay, here's what these people do. It's kind of like the vegans with their cop-out. They have this cop-out answer where you're like, vegan diet isn't healthy. Yeah, I'm doing it for the ethics though. It's like, but, what? It's, it's the cop-out thing that they do where it's like you point out why it's wrong and they say, but I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm doing it for this other reason and you can't actually substantiate the ethics. So, so, so you can't pin them down. So these women, they do want to lose weight. They are at the gym to lose weight, but they claim they're not there to lose weight so that when they don't lose weight, they don't feel like a failure. <laughs> they literally want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to eat cake and go to the gym and pretend like, like they're hoping they lose weight, but they don't want to say that that's what they're doing. It's so dumb. It's so nonsensical, these people. There's more reasons to go to the gym than intentional weight loss, uh, maintain or improve strength, maintain or improve health, to move and alleviate boredom, to build endurance. That is not why you're at the gym, lady. Get real. Get real. Stop lying. I've recently gone back to the gym and I'm working hard to keep these reasons that have nothing to do with weight loss at the forefront of my experience and desire, but that internalized fat phobia is rearing its ugly head. In other words, I want to go to the gym and I still want to eat pizza and I don't want to feel bad about it. Goodness gracious, these people. And in closing, the gym's a really effed up place for fat people. Fat people deserve intentionally anti-fat phobic spaces where we can move our bodies. I think we have those. It's called every fast food restaurant in America. You move your body from the counter to the extra wide booth. Yeah. The journey of embodying fat positivity includes repeatedly deprogramming internalized fat phobia. I'm not anyone's good fatty and not trying to be good fatty. There's a link. What, what is this? Good fatty and bad fatty explain. In the good, okay, in the fat acceptance movement, there's what's referred to as the good fatty, bad fatty, false dichotomy. It's problematic because it pits good fatties in a, against bad fatties and implies that good fatties can earn it. You know, you got the good fatties, your your animal fats, your, um, uh, like butter, tallow, ghee, lard. And you got the bad fatties, the trans fats, the vegetable oils. Okay. Being a good fatty is essentially performing fatness. <laughs> performing fatness. I had to go to theater school to perform fatness. In a way that you're hoping meets the approval of society. You can't perform your way out of fat oppression. Individual behaviors won't save us and may cause damage by creating a false hierarchy amongst oppressed people. Is that it? Ah. Okay, she's got some related links. I still don't know what good fatty and bad fatty is. Oh! Reagan Chastain, a fraudulent fat athlete. 
fat lead, if you will. Good fatty, bad fatty BS over at Dances with Fat. Let's see here. Oh, she's a large woman. Oh, boy. Uh, the good fatty, bad fatty dichotomy happens when people try to divide fat people up into two categories and suggest one group is better than the other group. Yeah, what are the categories, though? Um, good fatties are seen as doing the right things by, like, how they're eating, how they dress, their current health, and whether or not they engage in movement. Oh, okay, so is it, like, basically, uh, the good fatties are the ones who are actually trying to lose weight and not be unhealthy, and the bad fatties are you? Is that the dichotomy? Is that what I'm... Uh, the good fatty, bad fatty dichotomy GFBFD creates privilege for some fat people. I'm privileged by GFPFD because I'm a fat athlete. Like, I don't think anyone in the entire world would call you a fat athlete, lady. You are so far down the rabbit. I don't. <laughs> Gosh. People like this. The ones who are fat and don't want to give up eating crap. But still, they still have this desire to not be fat. They still have this desire to look healthy. And so they try to claim, like, well, the weight's out of my control, but I'm still a good person because I'm an I'm a fat athlete. And even when you're an athlete, you can't lose weight, so why even try? They've created such a friggin' labyrinth of BS in their heads. It's, it's ridiculous. <sighs> Basic civil rights, non-negotiable. There's no agreeing to disagree that we have the right to exist. Hey, if you disagree with my lifestyle, you won't be dead. Yeah, you, you can't disagree with transgenderism without wanting to commit genocide on all the trans people. <laughs> oh, leftists, you histrionic emotional women. That's all you are. Histrionic emotional women. <sighs> the flutiefeminist.wordpress.com Fitness as worthiness, why I will never join the gym. Yeah, you heard that right. I'll never join the gym. I have many reasons for this, and I want to lay them out here. We live in a culture where being fit is an obsession, and where going to the gym is akin to going to church and praying to God. I'll tell you why people are so focused on that, because our society is very, very fat. We have consumed many processed foods, many carbohydrates, many vegetable oils, and we are very unhealthy, and so it's more imperative than ever that we stop doing that. And so going to the gym is seen as pretty important by a segment of society, because it's the kind of thing you have to do to combat where we found ourselves in this day and age. In December, I sustained a wrist injury through playing the flute. What, are you doing soil and protein shakes? How do you injure your wrist playing the flute? Steve! Steve! I injured my wrist playing the flute! Uh, this can't have anything to do with my favorite drinkable protein alternative. I, I, I guess I will need a... Can, can we get one of those soil and bottle openers but with like an extra comfortable grip? Because this is just terrible. I... I decided to go to my university's gym and walk on the track there. I wanted to go to the fitness room and use the treadmill, but that cost money. So I went a few times a week and I loved it. I love moving my body and listening to music, blah, blah, blah. I love the feeling of walking and counting laps. That's not doing anything for you, lady. I mean, I'm just saying. Just walking around for a while, it's not burning calories. You're not doing anything. Anyway, sorry. There was an instance where a group of older people were using the track. They seemed to be preparing for a marathon or something. Every time I was walking on the track when they were training, I felt invisible in a 
bad way. Once they were taking the break, and a few of them were literally splayed out across the track. I was walking on an outer ring, because I didn't want to get in the way of the people running on the inner rings. But these people sitting down didn't look at me or move an inch when I crossed their paths. I literally had to weave around them to not trip over them. I felt invisible and dehumanized at that moment. I felt like I really didn't belong there. It was a super gross feeling. You cannot win with these people. It's either, oh, people were making fun of me, or people were complimenting me, and that's actually bad. Or it's, well, now they're not even noticing me, and that's bad too. Lady, you were walking around the track. Nobody needs to move out of your way. You're just walking. You psychopath. You nar you self-obsessed narcissist. I persevered at the track for a couple of months, mostly because it was winter and I couldn't take walks outside like I would have preferred. So that's my gym anecdote. That wasn't a gym. That was just a track. He was just walking on the track. Looking back on it, I felt really uncomfortable there. <laughs> you were the most fragile person in all of existence. My goodness! And I know some people will say, F everyone, just go for fun and don't care what people think. And I mean, I did do that, and that's what kept me going for as long as I did, but some of my friends would go to the gym and do weights and stuff, and I felt like they thought I would be a better person if I went to the gym, in the sense that going to the gym means you care about your body, and thus you have a higher value as a human. You're assuming that last part, you absolute deluded narcissist. My goodness. Oh my goodness. Taking the most basic responsibility for my own self and my own life? Oh, that's what I need to do to be considered a human being! Oh. Our society has peddled gym culture to us in the way that you'll understand and I'm not so far from the truth. The message I interpret with regards to working out is that you're taking better care of your body and that makes you a better person. I mean, it does make you more responsible, it does make you more of an adult, I would say, so yeah. Yeah, in certain ways, yes, you're a better person. <laughs> what, what do you want? You can consider yourself above other people who are lazy and don't give an S about their body. You're investing in your future. I have quite a few problems with this. Number one, gyms are extremely fat-phobic. <laughs> I didn't experience this personally because I, I'm, I'm not as fat, but I've read enough to know that one of the main reasons people work out is to lose weight, and the shame and humiliation that fat people experience at the gym makes my stomach turn. I was just reading about that shame and humiliation, you know, that, that horrible, shameful experience of someone coming up to you and saying, hey, good job, keep it up. Oh man, I just felt so dehumanized in that moment. I was, I was literally crying on the ground. Fitness and health cannot be attached to morality, worth, or value. They have none of those things. Being fit doesn't make you a good person. Not being fit doesn't make you a bad person. You are conflating the worth of a human being, the, in the inherent natural worth of a human being, with the consequences of personal responsibility. You communist. <laughs> this is literally how communists think. It's, it's nonsense. It's just... Uh, People who don't, people don't realize that fitness and health levels are classes to attain because gyms cost money. Hey, it doesn't cost any money to stop eating crap, lady. It costs no money at all to skip the drive through line at McDonald's, okay? It costs no money to say no when someone offers you a whole cake.
You can't put a price on that. All gems have some sort of cost. Some people can't afford those costs. Maybe we want to go to the gym, maybe we don't, but either way, you're passing judgment on those who don't because not everyone has equal access to them. Hashtag classism. Hashtag capitalism. Hashtag delete your Netflix account. Hashtag stop paying five bucks a day for Starbucks. And I think you're going to have that gym membership money. You, you excuse making... <laughs> you people! Your health status does not determine your worth as a human. Blah, 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 blah. What about our mental health? Like, hello? Personally, gyms are not good for my mental health. Basically, for all... See, this is what I've... What I've learned over the years is that uh, if uh, something is trouble, if something makes you anxious, if you have anxiety about something, the best way to get over that is to never do it ever again in your entire life and completely avoid it. Just never engage with it ever again and constantly live in anxiety whenever you approach that thing. That is the best way to deal with anxiety. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. These people. These people are just intentionally like shackling themselves. They're, 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 they're affixing these like lead weights. They're doing a Harrison Bergeron to themselves. Like intentionally Harrison Bergeroning themselves. <laughs> Gosh. Gyms tell you to punish yourself for your own good. Nuh-uh. Not gonna work on me. Also, check out Katie Hill Fletcher's YouTube channel for a video she made about this. Also, a lot of people say the opposite. That you should work out because you love your body. But I can love my body without working out and going to a gym. That line of thinking is ableist as F! I broke out the caps lock for that one. Not everyone can physically work out and move their body. Literally. So because a paralyzed dude in the wheelchair can't work out, that means I have a pass to be a complete slob. Okay. Are we here telling people that the best way to live your life and be healthy and be a good human is to move your body? I call BS! My mental health is way more important than what I do with my body for my physical health. <laughs> you are a dying slug rotting on a sidewalk. That is what you are right now. My mental health often strives when I'm sitting at home re I think your mental health might get a lot better once you stop eating garbage and uh, get a little more physically fit. I think that would do wonders for your mental health, lady. I will not feel bad for that. And I do understand that for some people, working out is good for their mental health, but that is not a universal experience. See, because in my case, I, I, I don't work out and my mental health is bad, and that's why I shouldn't work out. Wait, what? <laughs> Look, y'all, I'm aware. Stop appropriating cowboy culture, you communists. Don't do these weird things. They adopt, they adopt things like the word folks, uh, and sometimes they put an X on the end of it or something like that. The folks and y'all. It's just like, you're a communist living in New York. Why, why are you using like country language? So weird. They, they, they try to mix things like folksy, folksy, y'all, hey, y'all, folks, and then mix that with intersectionalism. <laughs> like the most gobbledygook buzzwords. It's weird. 
<sighs> I felt more shame working out than I do spending time on my mental health. Last summer, I went for walks and it was good to get outside and see beautiful houses. But then at the end of the year, I would feel anxiety when I didn't go for walks. So I stopped. I haven't worked out since last October and it's done me an amazing amount of good. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's unpack that. Hey, when I went for walks, I felt good. So when I wasn't going for walks, I didn't, I didn't feel as good because I, I wanted to go for a walk. So I figured I should stop going for walks altogether. You're insane. You are out of your mind. <laughs> My best mental health is on this side of the I guess it's better to be constantly at a low-lying level of misery than to, like, have, like, high points and low points. So I'll just be miserable all the time. That doesn't take as much work. I feel good in my body for the most part. I don't eat healthy and that's okay. I still have worth and value as a human and it has nothing to do with my morality. I don't need proper fitness clothes. My health is no one's business. I'm lying on my couch while as I write this, having just eaten a bag of microwave popcorn and I don't regret it for a second. Gym culture can F off. It kind of sounds like you told your own body to F off. That kind of seems like that's what's happening. You've told yourself to, to F off in your words. Just spiraling into just the most depressing state. Are there comments on this? No, but this blog has been viewed 9,865 times, so there is that. What is this currently reading? What is this person currently reading? I'd love to know. I don't know what... Okay, this is... That link took me to like the front page of Goodreads instead of what I thought it was. John Green has a new book, guys. Oh boy. Oh boy. John Green, the Anthropocene reviewed. Anthropocene. It's a, it's a word that people who want to sound smart used. I remember seeing that with the Eat Lancet report telling us meat caused cancer. It was called a food in the Anthropocene. It's an insufferable word that self absorbed people use. It basically means the present. It's dumb. The Anthropocene reviewed Essays on a Human-Centered Planet by John Green. <laughs> it's about the human condition and the reminder to pay attention to your attention. Aw, it's not like a it's not a terrible young adult fiction book. Cha What is what is it? It doesn't really even describe what's going on. It just seems like it's a bunch of pseudo-intellectual spewing. I don't know. I don't care. Oh well, don't care. <laughs> Anyway, it's been a wonderful journey through the world of uh, toxic gym culture and uh, fat phobia lurking around the bush. So stay safe out there, fellow fatties. Uh, yeah, don't uh, don't get suckered in by any of these uh, false promises of, you know, health and fitness. Uh, the, the best you is 400 pounds and uh, sticking around home watching, watching the old YouTubes. That's you. That's the best you. And I wouldn't want you any other way. I'll see you in the diabetes ward. Angry fat people. What? Did you think we were done? L-O-L. So here's the problem with the diet culture bus. It says that there's something inherently wrong with us. Telling you that your body's not right. Even moralizing health is not a clean fight. It's ableist food, but you do you. I guess you run with a eugenics crew. Let's slim down our bodies for the nation state. The master race is only big on hate. The diet and weight loss industrial complex brings in 70 billion a year. And you better believe that fat liberation for once gives them something to f- 
we fear. Fat people do not owe you their health. We do not have equal access to wealth, employment, housing, healthcare provider. Let's burn down the system, sis, hand me that lighter. Your doctor tells you to lose weight for your health. You're entitled to ask about the efficacy of a diet. Hippocrates said, doc first, do no harm. So no, we're not gonna be f***ing quiet. Commitment to equality in the potty If you care more about the likes than the human toll Yes, you've lost the weight, now you can lose the soul You're asking for validation for conforming You're seeking that celebration for performing Subservience to patriarchy, capitalist traps While white supremacy is chilling in your f***ing lap F-A-T to the L-I-B If my sister's in chains, then I cannot be free The trauma is amplified for POC Intersectional oppression live in 3D We demand humanity, autonomy, respect From the body hierarchy, we continue to defect Their body, her body, your body, mine This body, somebody's lucky to find Be radical, diet culture, please take a sabbatical. We're on to you and your little tricks. We know when you're trying to sell a new fix. That liberation, that's